Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to a group of people just like us, the body of Christ, a church, the church at Corinth. And this is what he has to say to that group of believers. He is saying, in our work together with God, then we beg of you, you have received God's grace, and you must not let it be wasted. Hear what God says. I heard you in the hour of my favor. I helped you in the day of salvation. Listen, this is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. We do not want anyone to find fault with our work, so we try not to put obstacles in anyone's way. Instead, in everything we do, we show that we are God's servants by enduring troubles, hardships, difficulties, with great patience. We have been beaten, jailed, and mobbed. We have been overworked and have gone without sleep or food. By our purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness, we have shown ourselves to be God's servants by the Holy Spirit, by our true love. By our message of truth and by the power of God, we have righteousness as our weapon, both to attack and defend ourselves. We are honored and disgraced. We are insulted and praised. We are treated as liars, yet we speak the truth. As unknown, yet we are known by all. As though we were dead, but as you see, we live on. Although punished, we are not killed. Although saddened, we are always glad. We seem poor, but we make many people rich. We seem to have nothing, yet we really possess everything. Lord, help us to understand what Paul is talking about as a way of life. Two things I'd like you to keep in mind this morning as we think together. Part of that third verse where Paul is saying, we do not want anyone to find fault with our work. And then the last part of that tenth verse where Paul is saying, yet we really possess everything. Yet we really possess everything. Now, Paul is trying to say something to us that is absolutely fantastic. I have found it to be so within my life. I have found it to be so in other people's lives. I want to tell you about something that doesn't seem like it has too much relationship with us, what we do in the kingdom of God, and our amount of tranquility and our amount of happiness and peace that we have in this world. But right here you're going to find something that is absolutely fantastic and beautiful if you have not already found it. It is my hope that you have already found it, but if not... Here you're going to find it. And I like to address myself to the subject in this way. Time. Don't spend it. Invest it. 
Now, as you think about the allotted time that has been given to you, and you'll find this both in the Old Testament and New, the background to what I'm trying to say to you this morning. And let me do it this way. Time and tide waits for no man. Time marches on. I remember I was influenced greatly by an old book, and I don't know where it came from, lost a long time ago. But it had time, the reaper. And maybe you have seen it with him with his side, his sickle type of thing, and it shows that one can kill time. And it shows eventually time will kill you. And now, to a great degree, I suppose that that is true. And that is burnt within my mind. It is the possibility for us to kill time. And we think about time as being life and being of essence, and truly it is. Now, as my observation is that time moves. It never stands still. There's only one man that time stood still for, and that was Joshua. But most of us, we don't have that command over time. It is ever-present. We can't slow it down. We can't stop it. We can't speed it up. We can't gather it. We can't store it. We can't touch it. We can't smell it. We can't hear it, and we can't see it. But every one of us, from the youngest wants to stop to think about it to the oldest of us, uh, we can sense it. And we know that it has something to do with our life. It doesn't pass by us. It doesn't pass over us. It is something that lives with us. Now we can accept it as our enemy if we want to, and we can fight it every step of the way. And many people do. I wonder how much and how many of the cosmetic types of situations that we all use to some degree. I wonder how much of it is uh, found its roots from thinking that we can slow the process of time down. Now, folk, I don't want to discourage anyone from looking the best they can. I'm, I believe in that. You ought to look the best you can. And if you're as ugly as I am, if you can get any help to help you look better, you go ahead and do it. I'm 100% in favor of it because I like to see something that looks nice. But how much of it stems from down at a place where it should not, as we think in relation to time? It lives with us. We can accept it as our enemy, or we can see it as our friend and make the most of it, or we can ignore it. In this situation, it's not like a child ignored and it goes away. Time doesn't go away. If we want a quality of life and we want to improve our life, well, we have to give some consideration to what we're talking about this morning and what I think Paul was trying to say and what he's trying to tell us in, in relation to our attitude to the amount of time that we have allotted to us here upon the face of this earth. And how do I go about it? How can I make the most of the opportunities that I have? Now, dear friends, it doesn't sound like much of a discovery, but I want to tell you it was a great discovery for me. And that is when I discovered uh, the importance of living one day at a time, just one. Now, you see, basically, you can only live one day at a time. But the truth of it is, within our mind, uh, we can live more than one day at a time, in a sense, because you can worry about what you didn't do yesterday that you should have or what you did do that you had no business doing and that can be a burden for you today. And that can be a burden is as heavy as any burden that any person can carry. Or you can stand today and you can worry about what's going to happen to you tomorrow. And you can sort of project yourself into tomorrow 
And you can worry about all those things that are going to happen, that you have a feeling that's going to happen to you. And you see, in both situations, it neutralizes you today. You cannot be the person that you need to be today if you carry the weight of yesterday and pick up the burden of tomorrow today. Living one day at a time. I think about my friend that was in the hospital and the man from the Canadian woods came back to see him here in the city of Louisville. And after the man had left and I was in to see my friend, he says, well, he says, I hope you do better by me than Roy. He's talking about the man who had been there before me. He says, I told him how serious my situation was and his counsel to me, he says, well, don't read any continued stories. <laughs> well, he wasn't as sick as he thought he was. He's still living. But anyway, time has something to say here about how we live this very day. It's not saying that we shouldn't give some thought to the future. If you would read the second chapter of the book of James, in fact, the whole book of James is at this point, you know, talking about action, action. And you remember James mentions old Abraham. And old Abraham lived to be, what, 175 years of age. And you know, God is interested in tomorrow, too, you know. God made over Abraham a promise. And it took God 25 years to fulfill that promise. Well, if we don't have what we think of today fulfilled within the next 30 minutes, we're ready to quit the church and quit everything else. God does have a concept of time. We cannot measure the span of God's time. That's an impossibility. But we can give some thought to the allotted time that you and I have. And it's interesting within the scripture when it talks about the past. Now, when you think about repenting, what do you really think about? Well, it comes down to it, and it's a matter of how you have spent your time in the past, you see. It's whether you have spent it foolishly or unwisely. This is a cause for repentance, you see. To repent, you see, tomorrow, God has prepared in such a marvelous way that regardless of what happened yesterday, regardless of what it is, today I can stand completely detached from it at the deepest level within my heart and my soul. You know why I can? It's not because that I have anything within me to do it. It's because of what God through Christ has done for me. The greatness of the love of God, it astounds me and it amazes me. No one of you this morning, regardless of what yesterday was, should feel so guilty about it that you cannot make the most of this hour. Then you have committed a double sin. You have committed the sin of yesterday, and then you're doing the same dumb thing today to be so involved in yesterday that keeps you from being God's person today. And God never intended for it to be that way. Finished, gone, locked with God forever. And now I am free to be what God wants me to be today. I am free. A new supply this day. Isn't that marvelous? Now if wisdom starts with a healthy respect for an awesome God, it seems to me we best proceed with knowledge, with this understanding that our life, your life, is in the hand of a living God. I hope you may not hear another thing I say, and I may just be piling words upon words, but two things that I have said this morning already that are very important. 
for every person that wants to come to a place of living wisely. Number one, you can only live one day at a time. Number two, your life is in the hand of a living God. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning from this point on, just hold on to that. Say it to yourself until at last you come to the place to know it is so and believe it, that my life is in the hand of a living God. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He neither takes a vacation from you or leaves you. You are in the hand of a living God. Or another way to put it would be this way, that a loving Christ sits at the table of your heart where you make decisions all time. This loving Christ is at the place in your heart, your soul, your mind, wherever it is, that you make those decisions. I cannot think of a person proceeding in this world without inviting Christ to be very much present in our life at this place where we make these decisions. You see, the key to such daily action has already been given to us. Now all of us know the Lord's Prayer by heart. And we pray that prayer. Your will be done on earth. Recognizing that God's kingdom is here right now. Now you know God's kingdom is here right now. Oh, we say the words. But are you really involved? Do you know, do you sense the involvement that you have in God's kingdom at this very moment? Right where you are? Doing the very job that you're doing. Whatever that job might happen to be. We say in that prayer, give us our daily bread. Well, we'd rest a lot easier if we didn't have to think about tomorrow storing up enough for whatever we're going to store it up for. Again, in the hand of a living God. Forgive us as we forgive those that we have hurt or sinned against. Write that in red within your heart and your soul. I don't care how rich you are, how strong you are. Dear friends, you cannot afford to go around holding a grudge against any person. I don't care how mean, how hateful, or how they've wronged you or how they've hurt you. You don't forgive them, not necessarily for their sake, although you ought to even for their sake. But if it can't be that way, you forgive them for the sake of your own soul. As you proceed in life, your relationship with God can't be blocked by you carrying some burden, some hate in your heart for another human being. I have vowed within my heart and my soul that I will never let this happen to me through the grace of God, I will keep that door open and keep my heart clear and keep my soul clean simply because I cannot afford, I'm not so rich that I can afford to dislike or to hate anyone. Now, some people I don't have to keep company with, but I don't hate them. Can't afford it. And no one can. And you can't either. You see, when we come to the place where we accept what we think about God's kingdom being right now as us working in it, and then there's a way that we can address ourselves to the way that we live today. Let not to yesterday's sins and mistakes and stupidity keep us from being today in God's kingdom what we ought to be. I can live a new life, unburdened, clean, 
from the time I got up this morning. Now, if you really believe that you could live this day completely uncumbered by sin and what has happened in the past, well, wouldn't this be a wonderful day? And wouldn't we be less neurotic? And wouldn't we be more at ease? And wouldn't we be able to see, though, it's an overcast sky? But it's still a beautiful day and a wonderful time to be alive in the kingdom of God. Especially now that you have a, a new day. Isn't it interesting that we all have the same amount of time, 24 hours? I don't have one second more than you have, and you don't have one second more than I have. God has given to us the same amount to use wisely or use it in a stupid way. But you have it. The question is, what will you do with it? How will you invest it today? There's no need of us going around whining about the situation or feeling sorry for ourselves. To think in terms of what we can do with what God has given to us. How can we become active in it? If you'd read again the book of James, he talks about being active. He's talking about work. He's talking about things that we do and things that we ought to do. And I read something and the wisdom literature says, and I think it's talking about the one that feels sorry for himself, says the foolish foldeth his hands together and eats his own flesh. Well, I don't know of a better description of feeling sorry for yourself written anywhere, any place. That's just about what happens. Trying to feed upon your own self like a cannibal and it just doesn't work. And now we're supposed to invest the time that you and I have left, whatever that might be. The first day, the rest of my life. I'm supposed to invest this time, not just spend it. If I were left a million dollars, and if you were left a million dollars, you would give serious thought. I would hope you would, and carefully as about how that you're going to use that. Well, how are you going to use your life? Practical. You know, sometimes we disconnect our religion so far from reality that we never get back to the place where this really works. We talk about something off out there in a happy land somewhere. But we're talking about something that we do today, tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow, right where you are. Well, we think about the situation. We know these 24 hours that I have and that you have, a part of it is going to be taken up in sleep. A good bite of it is. I read an article, perhaps you did too, about Edison. said he was able to get by in every 24 hours on four hours of sleep, only four hours of sleep. Well, no wonder he did all of these wonderful things he did. And then the same article, I read where Einstein, he had to have 10 hours of sleep. Now, I can more identify with him. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can buy that. 10 hours sleep. So we know that this is going to take out part of our time. Sleep is. We're told within the scriptures that a man's sleep is sweet. It's good. Well, I suppose that depends on whether or not he has taken care of his responsibilities that has come to him during that day. Now, folks, in closing, what I'm really trying to say of all this time that God has given to you, you are precisely right now where God wants you to be. Right at this moment. Now, if God says to us, and the scripture speaks to us again and again, about the importance of work as being God-given, well, why don't we act like it? And why don't we accept it that way? And why don't we approach it with a great deal of enthusiasm, with joy? With them, vigor and vitality. Why do we drag around 
when we think about, oh, tomorrow, I don't care what you're doing. It doesn't make any difference, basically, what you're doing. There is an honorable position. There's a way that you can address yourself to it. Do you know what Gideon was doing when God spoke to him? It just almost blows my mind. Old Gideon was out there on the backside of a hill thrashing. Now, you know what thrashing is. You, know, you don't know what that is. But it's a dirty, hard job, especially the way they did it back then, separating the wheat stems from the grain. It was slow. He was hiding from the enemy because they knew if his little country was overrun, if they found him, the army would come in and take what he had. And so he was hiding out. And it was there that God spoke to him. And he said, Thou man of great valor. <laughs> well, he wasn't too brave, I'll tell you that right now. But anyway, there he was. Thrashing grain. And God spoke to him. You know what Elijah was doing when God spoke to him? He was taking care of what they call sycamore trees. It was a real bad fruit tree, really. It was the least of the fruit trees. Uh, it was just, a, just almost a, no kind of a tree, but, but that's what he was doing in taking care of the goats. And God spoke to him. He knew exactly where he was. You know what Elisha was doing when God called him? He had two old oxen out there in the field by himself. And there he was, slowly, laboriously, going through the field, up and back. You ever plow like that? Well, I have them with oxen, but I have with horses. And I want to tell you, it's a boring situation. But you see, God knew where he was. And God spoke to Elisha. You think what you're doing is not important. Let me tell you, folk, it is important. What you address your life to is important. It's important. The way that you approach it. You see, the guilt of our society comes to bear right here upon us because we go to our jobs, our responsibilities, and our duties, and we see how little we can do to get by with. And down in the deep citadel of our soul, we know that that's not right, and it's something that we don't talk about. But yet we carry the guilt of it, knowing that we have not been faithful to our commitment and to our responsibility. And folks, that goes out there, it goes here to church. There's nothing about this church that I'm too good to do. I will never ask any man or any woman to do anything in this church but what I wouldn't do it myself. And that is all the way from cleaning the bathroom to digging a ditch or making a speech. It is all sacred in the sight of God. And I want to tell you something. When you come to the place where you're able to do, you see, Paul knew what he's talking about here. I, I like what Paul said. Uh, we do not want anyone to find fault with our work. Not my attitude toward it. I was talking to two men and that I tried to express this to over a period of time in a study group, and they decided they would try it and see how it worked out. And they were going to go to their job. And they were going to work at their job as a relationship, not between them and the company, but between them and their God. Here's where I am. This is what I'm doing. And so this is what I must do. And so how am I going to do it? And they decided that, look, I've contracted to do X number of hours of work for X number of dollars. I've agreed to it. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so these two guys, they worked together. And so they started to work.
And the first day, the boss sort of took notice of it. And he said the second day, the boss followed him around. He knew they was up to something. He just knew they were. Trying to do something now. They're trying to do something. I've got to watch those two critters. And the next day, week after week after week after week, faithful. They weren't hiding out from the boss. And they didn't try to overdo it, but they tried to do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Now, that doesn't sound too religious, does it? But I want to tell you, folk, that's exactly what Paul's talking about. That's exactly. Now, two things are going to happen to you if, you if you address yourself like that. The boss is not going to believe it. Your supervisor is not going to believe it. Your company is not going to believe it. They're going to wonder about the situation. The second thing, though, is far, far, far more important. Far more important. I don't care what the position is. If God has called you here and here's where you find yourself now and you address yourself to it as a matter between you and your God, I want to tell you something. You're going to come to the place where you're going to have to try this to, to believe it. You're not going to believe it, I doubt. You're going to come to the place where you're going to have the closest to a spiritual experience that you've ever had outside of salvation. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Your soul is going to be bathed again in love and self-esteem. And you're going to feel a pride about yourself in the sight of God that the only way you can get it is to be faithful at the point where I'm telling you. To find that your work is acceptable to man. Paul said, I've been abused in every way that a man can be abused. But I have been faithful to my God and presented myself to him daily in a fashion at my work so that people can see that I have a relationship with my God. I'll make any difference whether you're on the same line or any company or you have a great group of men working under you. It doesn't make any difference. It's not necessarily a matter between you and that company as much as it is a matter between you and your God. And you honor, faithfully committed to doing your job the best that you see that you need to do in the sight of God. And I will tell you, you will have the time of your life. The time of your life. Here's where it is. It's practical. It's not something off out there somewhere. Here's where religion pays off. Here's where you can come to God to see that I offer to him whatever, whether it's digging a ditch, I offer to him. My folks, we dug a ditch out here and we rearranged some dirt out here, some of us yesterday. I presented that to God as much as I am presenting to him what I'm doing right now. It's all his calling. We're together. Here's where it is. Dear friends, I challenge you to accept the responsibility of your life and of your work in the name of your God. And then walk upright before him. And you will come to a place where you too, if not already experienced it, will know that here's salvation, here's joy and peace that is unspeakable because you and your God walk together daily. Oh, our Father, Paul was right. We know he is. We have tested. We have tried it. May we be as faithful to our task and our responsibility as he was, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 